hello and welcome once again to Raging and Eating. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, owner and executive chef of the Raging Skillet. And how the hell are you? We're having some glorious weather, don't you think? First, it was like a crazy-ass heat wave. We were walking down the street feeling like we were melting. I mean, it just was a little too much. You can only spend so much time in a sauna. But then came pretty much wherever you are, in the Northeast for sure, a whole bunch of crazy thunderstorms. They hit us in New York, in Provincetown, in New Jersey, just about everywhere. And the next thing you know, if you manage to get through that, of course, the weather just cooled off. All of that heat and that chazarai just lifted and we were left with this glorious weather. Okay, yeah, it's a little chilly in Provincetown, um, but it's gorgeous. I still got my tuchas in the water anyway. And yes, 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 I finally got my tushy to Provincetown, Provincetown, Massachusetts, my favorite place in the entire world. Well, you know, sort of. I got some complaints about it lately, and I don't mind sharing them. And, but I'm trying to stay up and positive because I came out here with my girlfriend, Lila, for my birthday. And that's where I wanted to be on my birthday. And she took me out to one of my favorite restaurants that I always love. If you ever get yourself over to Provincetown, the Lobster Pot. Lobster Pot is just, it's just great. And you know, the crazy thing is I don't eat lobster because I'm convinced that my Jewish mother would break through the ceiling from wherever she is in the afterlife and kill everybody if I had a lobster. But also, it did kind of turn me off to it when I was growing up, when they sort of told me that lobsters are scavengers and they eat the poo-poo in the bottom of the water. I don't want to turn you off. You know, enjoy your lobster. Go ahead, it's delicious, really. Don't think about it too much. But... For me, as a kid, I thought of it as the poo-poo monster. So that kind of put the kibosh on that. And my girlfriend is allergic to shellfish. So neither one of us wants anything to do with lobster. And yet we go to the lobster pot because the fish is yummy and the atmosphere is yummy and the people are yummy. And our very lovely friend Kimberly works there and we adore her. And our lovely friend Rita works there and kind of manages the place. Not kind of, sort of. She does manage the place. And we love her. And she sent us a nice little gift of some lovely bubbly. And we got a charming table. And and I'm just going to go on and on. I don't want you to feel jealous. Well, maybe I do want you to feel a little jealous because we had just a great experience. And I had the halibut which was yummy, crazy yummy, actually. I had it with a mango beurre blanc, which is a yummy combination. And my girlfriend had, she had seared salmon over a kale salad. Anyway, it was just yummy. And it was a great birthday. And it was kind of chill, you know. Normally, when I was growing up, whenever I had a birthday, I wanted to have a big party. I wanted to have everyone I knew at my birthday. I made a big deal out of it when I was growing up. And my mother would always do the same thing for about 10 years. She did the same thing where we would go to this old-fashioned bowling alley in New Jersey. And all my friends would be there and we'd go bowling and we'd all bowl terribly, of course. But we didn't care. And 
We'd have pizza and we'd have birthday cake. And at the end, the bowling alley would give me as a gift an old bowling pin. So, and then everyone signed their names on the bowling pin. So I had like 10 of these old bowling pins in my house when I was growing up. But then one year I said, you know, mom, I love you, but I'm really tired of schlepping everyone to a bowling alley. And I'm getting a little old for that too. I think it was okay when I was six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve years old, but as my teens approached, it really wasn't so okay anymore. So at that point, I started discovering the pleasures of the beach. I mean, it was the Jersey Shore for crying out loud, so of course, I'm discovering the pleasures of the beach. And so at first, we'd have a whole big group on the beach, and we'd be eating sort of picnic food and swimming and having a good time. But, you know, my parents would be there, well, my mother anyway. And you couldn't really have too good a time when my mother was there. We certainly were going to eat very well because she would force feed Pittsburgh if she could. You know, my mother didn't believe there was such a thing as saying, I'm full. You had to eat until you were in pain. But by the time I was 15, really by the time I was 14, I discovered that to really have a great party, my mother couldn't be there. So I don't know how the hell I talked her out of not coming, but I think it probably had something to do with the fact that she really didn't like schlepping to the beach anymore. You know, she got a little bit tired in her, in her later years. And so then I had all my friends on Double Vision Beach, which was the first beach in Sandy Hook, New Jersey. We called it Double Vision Beach. It was all kegs and guitar players and wild times. And someone would bring a keg, and someone would bring a case of beer, and someone would bring a bunch of jugs of Almaden. That was a big deal in the 70s, just sitting around with a big jug of Almaden. And someone else would bring a joint, and someone else would bring a joint, and a few more people would bring a joint. And the next thing you know, someone would bring a, a guitar, someone would bring a radio. The next thing you know, we'd be out on the beach drinking and smoking and carrying on, and someone's playing guitar, and probably my friend Jenny was playing the guitar and singing, Jackson Brown. It was really a great way to party, let me tell you. Then I got older, well, supposedly, I'm feeling a little bit like regressing at the moment, but I got older, and I started just kind of thinking that Unless it's a big birthday, like my 50th or my 40th or my 30th, you know, like that. I would just kind of go out to dinner with a couple of good friends. And more than one year, quite a few years, I just went out to dinner with whoever I was going out with. And it got a little more low-key. But I don't know, lately I'm feeling like I'm gearing up again for a party. So I'm not going to tell you the birthday I just had. But I will tell you that the next birthday I'm having is one of those big years, you know, that sort of warrants a party. So I'll keep you posted on that one. My 40th birthday party was probably the best birthday I had in terms of a party, which was my ex-girlfriend at the time. She, she, her biggest talent, I believe, was showing off. She sort of made her living showing off. It was really her biggest talent. And so as much to impress me and show off for me, as much to impress and show off for everyone else. She got a five-piece Cuban band to come to the roof where I lived in the East Village. And they set up on the roof. 
and she got my friend Miha to cater the event, and she brought in, I think, a case of Dom Perignon. Have you ever had Dom Perignon? I mean, it's like 200 something dollars a bottle. It's crazy. Talk about show offy. Well, and we had a microphone there and the whole thing. So my friend Awaney came in from Toronto. My friends came in from everywhere. And there we are on our roof. And she even brought furniture. And we had a wild time. And the whole neighborhood wanted to know how the hell did this five-piece Cuban band get up there. And they basically serenaded the entire neighborhood. We even had our postal delivery person, Elizabeth, who was really a great postal person, except that she was almost always out sick besides that. I think that she might have um, perhaps drank a little too much. Anyway, she was up there and she was doing the salsa with my girlfriend at the time. And it was quite the party. And, you know, years later I thought, okay, well, that particular girlfriend was not a good girlfriend for a lot of reasons. Um, but she really did know how to throw a party. So I got to give her that. I have some pictures of it. I was looking at it recently. I'm like, oh my God, we had a five-piece Cuban band on my roof. Get down, you know? So now I mill it out a little bit. Now I'm sitting on the deck of the lobster pot, eating some delicious fish and drinking champagne and looking at the beautiful bay with my girlfriend. You know, that was just fine. Just fine. I don't need a five-piece Cuban band. But, like I said, for my next birthday, hmm, I'm going to keep you posted on that. I don't feel a five-piece Cuban band, but I do feel something, something sexy brewing. So we'll see. And if you're lucky, I might consider telling you what that particular birthday is, but I'm not going to tell you yet. You'll have to wait a year. So here I am in Provincetown. I've been trying to not keep eating because I was on an eating rampage all over Montreal with my girlfriend, and we're trying to trim down. So we're trying to walk and eat salads and behave ourselves. And I haven't even had any birthday cake, although I want some. It seems no one in this town wants to light a candle. Must be some fire hazard thing. I couldn't even get them to light a candle at the pot. But I think that that's about liability insurance. But I digress. In any case, I've been traveling around having in kind of interesting adventures. So I tend to always have adventures in public restrooms and in bathrooms in general. Today, I went to have lunch with my girlfriend on the deck over the bay, a beautiful view, like right on the beach of a charming restaurant in Provincetown called Tin Pan Alley. If you're listening, Tin Pan Alley, you're going to appreciate this. Anyway, we had a fabulous waiter. He was really adorable. I think he was from Colombia, and we had a great time talking to him. And We had some yummy food. But then uh, afterwards, I went to go to the bathroom, as one does, especially if you're a woman and you are not... 10 years old, you know, you're going to the bathroom a lot. Let's face it, ladies. The older you get, the more often you have to pee-pee. So, I go to the bathroom, I take care of my urination, wash my hands, do everything properly, and then I go to leave. I cannot get out of this vacaca door. I mean, has that ever happened to you? I was like, oh my God, I tried every which way to get the door unlocked. And I was in there for a good 10 minutes. And I was like, okay. I said, you know, it could be worse. I could be locked out of the bathroom and really have to go. I suppose that might be worse. I don't know. But I didn't really want to spend the rest of my life locked in the bathroom either. 
So I took my cell phone out of my pocket and called my girlfriend about to report to her, uh, honey, I'm trapped in the bathroom. But I figured, you know, as I'm calling her, I figure I'm going to give it one last try. And I sort of jiggled it a little bit and turned it and I managed to get it open. I was like, oh my God, I was breaking a sweat. So I get out of the bathroom and I say to the waiter who's standing there, I say, this door is broken. I've been trapped in that bathroom for a good 10 minutes. I said, we need to tell the manager about this. So the waiter, he kind of said, yeah, everyone knows. We have to get the knob fixed. It's like a little bit loose. So I'm like, would you think about maybe putting a note on the wall or on the door saying, do not lock the bathroom because you might never get out. It could be like a Twilight Zone episode, you know, that you went in there and you came out 35 years later and everyone you know is dead. I mean, could you maybe put a little sign up or something? And I suppose they did not. So I don't know. If you do happen to use the restroom at Tin Pan Alley, I suggest you not lock the door, or at least that bathroom. My girlfriend used the other bathroom, and she didn't get locked in, so it's the big one, not the two smaller ones, which is kind of a bummer out because, you know, you always want the bigger bathroom. But I digress. It's not the first time that's happened to me. I've been locked in bathrooms before. And as a matter of fact, I had it happen so terrifyingly once where no one heard me knocking on the door or yelling. And ever since then, I always made it a policy to bring my phone with me when I go into a restroom in case I should happen to be locked in. It's really a, you know, kind of an interesting place to be as a Jewish woman because we do like to spend a lot of time in the bathroom. But it does kind of make me feel like if I was in an episode of The Twilight Zone, that might be just what happens. They're like, after a lifetime of always wanting to go to the bathroom, now you're locked in the bathroom and you can never leave. Like the Hotel California, except that you can't get out of the bathroom, you know? Does that sound freaky? It was a little freaky. Anyway, I did finally escape, as you know. And I will just continue to bring my cell phone in with me when I use a restroom anywhere. From that point, I was, I proceeded, to, I sort of said, I'm not going to let the rest of my day be affected by that 10 minutes of, I said, I guess, fear, you know, fear, but also laughing at myself at the same time. And so we went on, we had a great rest of the day and we walked and we saw the bay and I took pictures because later on, I'm going to take those photographs when I'm back in Manhattan and I don't have the bay to look at. And I'm going to paint them. I fixate on painting a single boat on the bay. There's something about the loneliness of it. And I especially like it when they're old and weathered. And it's the very end of the day when all of a sudden this burst of like nuclear white light comes out. I just love those paintings. And I know you do too. So, you know, you might be talking to me and you might be... Not that you're talking to me, you're listening to me, my darling. But you might be in Albany, you might be in New Mexico, you might be in Florida, you might be in Missouri, you might be in Moscow, Idaho. Or is it Moscow, Iowa? No, Moscow, Idaho. Thank you. I love that you're listening to me. I found that out recently, and that thrills me. I love that you're listening to me in Kabul, Missouri, and I love that you're listening to me in Gainesville, Florida. Now, 
uh, speaking of Florida, I just have to say, if you're listening to me and you happen to be Ron DeSantis, will you please get over yourself? You're a big bully and you're burning books and you're ruining a lot of lives and you're really a big bummer. And I don't think history is going to look kindly on you. And you're not going to be president anyway, so stop being a show-off and just be a decent human being. But I digress. So... Here I am. I am actually thinking about food, even though I've been pigging out like a maniac and I can't seem to stop. And what I've been thinking about, oddly, is corn. Like, why should I be sitting around thinking about corn, right? Well, an interesting side note to the story I just gave you, by the way, about being locked in the bathroom, is that Because I'm in Provincetown and because the prices have doubled and tripled and quadrupled on places to stay, I'm in a studio apartment with my girlfriend. And I did not have a quiet place to go and be alone and talk to you on the podcast. So I'm talking to you from, guess where? The bathroom. Do you hear that slight echo? That's right. You got it, baby. I'm taping this entire show from inside the bathroom. But I made a point not to lock the door because I've had enough of that for one day. It's actually kind of nice here. There's a breeze and there's an echo and I feel a little sense of solitude. Kind of getting into the groove of it. It might be because growing up, the only place in my house that I ever got any privacy was the bathroom. In my bedroom, someone was always knocking on the door and coming in. My sister was always coming in to steal my underwear. My brother was always coming in to bother me. My mother was always fetching me. Never had any privacy. But in the bathroom, which was the only place that you could lock the doors, one of those little hook things, I would lock the door. And sometimes there was a kind of a mat on the floor. It was supposed to be a bath mat, but I think it was more like a little half rug, half bath mat. And sometimes I would just lay down on the floor on that mat and stare at the ceiling. It was kind of groovy, linoleum print kind of weirdo ceiling but I would stare at the ceiling and just enjoy my solitude and all that was great until my brother finagled a way to use a butter knife to flip up the hook and bust into the bathroom just to be an obnoxious baby brother that kind of a was a bummer but of course you know I did manage to kick him so hard in the tushy that he may be considered not doing that anymore but I had a violent streak as a child I suppose I still do, only I've figured out a way to channel it, generally into energy and chutzpah. Oh, I was going to talk to you about corn, and I started talking to you about bathrooms instead, because that's because I'm Jewish, like I said. So the thing about corn is it's very sexy in the summer. You know, corn can be so fresh and so delicious in the summer that you could actually get an ear of corn from the farmer's market and bite into it raw and probably have an enjoyable experience. It's kind of weird to say, right? And I do so many things with corn in the summer. Now, I use corn all year year long because frozen corn is frozen at its perfect, you know, perfect, ripe, you know, exact moment of perfection. And then it's kind of flash frozen. So really in December, you can still have great corn. And I I would never stick my nose up on frozen corn. Canned corn is another story, but I digress. In any case, I do all kinds of things with summer corn. But one of my favorite things is to do Mexican market corn. Have you had that? It's crazy yummy. So you get your fresh, 
ear of corn or however many you want to have and you shock the corn then you kind of brush it with a little bit of olive oil and you put it on the grill and you char it all over so all of the kernels have a nice gorgeous brown charred color and if you don't have a grill you can actually if you have a gas oven you can turn the, that on and put them on the burners and burn them that way too either way it's a gorgeous thing now when i'm catering i'll do this as an hors d'oeuvre so we and we have um three or four stovetop grills we'll put all the corn on the grill and grill it all up it's gorgeous so that's your step one now your step two is to make a nice mexican mayo kind of a sauce and so I'll do half mayo and half sour cream, and I'll mix it with chili, and I'll do some cumin and some coriander, and I'll do also like a regular chili and like a chipotle chili, and sometimes an ancho chili. I'm a, like a, I'm a three chili girl, and the cumin and the coriander and salt and pepper. I make this nice, spicy, gorgeous, flavorful mayo-sour cream combo. And then I want to get cotilla cheese or queso blanco. And if you can't get any of those, you can do Parmesan, but it's kind of nice to get those. So what you do is you take your corn. Now you can grill the corn even the day before if you want to, but let's say you grill it that morning and you heat it up and then you roll it, roll it in your mayo and sour cream combo that I just talked to you about. And then you completely sprinkle heavily with uh, with your grated cheese or your crumbled cheese. Or what we'll do is we'll take Parmesan and the cotilla cheese and we'll mix it together. And so we roll the corn and the mayo sour cream combo and then roll it in the cheese. And then we'll give it a nice squeeze of lime, which is beautiful. And so what we do when we're catering as an hors d'oeuvre, we'll cut the corn into like lollipops and we'll put a skewer in the center and then we'll roll it in the mayo and the cheese and squeeze the lime and the whole shebang and pass it as an hors d'oeuvre. It's a really exciting thing. People go nuts for it. So that's my Mexican market corn and it's very sexy and exciting. There's other things you can do. There's a seasoning you should buy. You can, if you can't find it, you can order it on Amazon, even though supporting Amazon sometimes feels like you're supporting Satan and maybe you are, you know. But there's a seasoning called tagine, T-A-J-I-N, which is gorgeous. Sprinkle that on your Mexican market corn. That is so exciting. And here's another thing you can do. You can have a Mexican market corn salad. So let's say maybe you have dentures or maybe you just spent $10,000 having an implant in your mouth and you don't feel like losing your teeth by trying to get it off the cob, you know, with corn on the cob. So what you can do is make the grilled corn, like I said, and then shave it off the cob. So now you have this great grilled corn off the cob. And then you still can go ahead and mix it up with your sour cream mayo sauce that I just described. And a lot of squeeze, uh, I would say one or two limes that you squeeze. And you still can go ahead and mix in Parmesan and cotillo cheese or queso blanco. So now you kind of have a Mexican market corn that you don't off the cob, you know? And if you really want to make it a salad, you can throw in some finely diced red onion, which is gorgeous, and some minced jalapeno, which is beautiful, and some fresh chopped cilantro, which is a beautiful thing. And if you even want to go one step beyond that in terms of sexual excitement, you could throw in some diced avocado, and you can throw in some diced tomato, 
And now you have just the most exciting Mexican market corn salad that ever existed in the history of humanity. I said it in there, so it must be true, right? Anyway, it's just nice thinking about corn in the summer. So many things are great in the summer. I remember growing up, I always thought that tomatoes were hard, like a tomato should be hard, like you need a steak knife to cut it. And it should not really be red, it should be kind of a beigey, whitish red. And it should have about as much flavor as your sneaker. But then one day, and this is coming from someone who grew up in New Jersey, imagine how sad that is. One day my father decided to make a tomato plant garden in our backyard. So we planted all these tomatoes, and as they came up, these huge Jersey beefsteak tomatoes came up. I'd never seen anything like it, you know? And so he takes the tomatoes into the kitchen, and my mother slices them up, doesn't put them in the refrigerator, which is key. Follow me on this one. And she slices them up right out of the garden, and oh my God, I never tasted anything like that in my life. It was like sweeter than eating even watermelon or an apple or a juicy peach or nectarine. It was like candy and the texture and the flavor and the aroma. And then the next day, my mother picked another one from the garden and she put it in the refrigerator. And by the time we had it, it wasn't nearly as sexy and nearly as wonderful. So I learned right then and there that if you have a beautiful farm fresh tomato, and you can possibly avoid it, do not put it in the refrigerator because that amazing flavor and texture is a gorgeous thing. I go through this all the time with my catering company. We'll get a case of tomatoes or a case of beautiful heirloom baby tomatoes or gorgeous summer fresh Jersey beefsteak tomatoes and someone in the kitchen who maybe is missing two or three or a thousand brain cells will put them in the refrigerator. And I always run screaming, no, no. Usually I find out about it an hour later because I don't drag my ass to work till 11 because, you know, I'm a princess. And so by then they've been in the fridge for an hour and I'm like, oh my God, you murdered the tomatoes. It's such a tragedy. But uh, hopefully I've had those, you know, hissy fits enough that perhaps no one will murder my tomatoes this summer. I hope, I hope, I hope. So... It's a sexy thing. So if you want to celebrate summer, celebrate it with gorgeous corn and beautiful tomatoes. And if you are someone who is a vegan, you can totally do your Mexican market corn in a different way. You can do vegan mayo, of course. You don't have to do the cheese. You can do vegan cheese. You know, you know, float your boat, whatever makes you excited. As long as you get that fresh summer corn and those beautiful tomatoes into your mouth. And if you happen to go to Tin Pan Alley while you're in Provincetown, Massachusetts, you know, do have the fabulous food. They have some yummy food. And do have the fabulous staff help you because they're great and talented and lovely. But if you go to the large bathroom, the one everyone wants to go to instead of the two small claustrophobic ones, don't lock the door because you may be spending the rest of your summer vacation in that bathroom. Or at least bring your cell phone with you. Maybe also an axe, because you might have to chop the door down. But I digress. So here I am speaking to you from inside this lovely bathroom in Provincetown, Massachusetts. And I haven't locked the door, so that means I should escape. But I have my phone with me, just in case. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi. 
And as always, food is love and so are you. Now remember, take your phone with you when you go into a restroom in case, you know, the twilight zone hits, stranger things have happened. But I digress, per usual. Get down and boogie and get yourself some corn. Like I said, it's a delicious, gorgeous summer thing. It's downright sexy. Someone please shut me up. I want to get out of this bathroom now. My butt's starting to fall fall asleep. Yeah, I'm taping the whole thing sitting on the toilet. But don't worry, I had the lid down. You know, I'm not that crazy. I mean, lid down like I'm sitting on top of the lid. Anyway, I'm out of here.